Hi, and welcome to Visual Friends Podcast, conversations about all things visualization with Masters of Japan. My name is Natalia. I'm a content manager for Visual Friends, and I'll be your host today. And I'm incredibly excited to talk to our very special guest. But before I introduce her, just a quick announcement and a reminder about Viscom, the visualization conference, our biggest event that we launched last year will take place on Saturday, the 19th of October, and will unite visualization practitioners, facilitators, graphic and digital scribes, illustrators, teachers, and students. So if you are a fan of all things visual, if you are a fan, and if you're having fun with all things visuals, whether you are a master or an apprentice, this is your event, and we hope to see you there. You can book tickets and find all the info on the website www.visconf.com.au that's with z visconf.com.au and our guest today actually ran a very successful session at visconf last year on digital scribing and she'll be there again this year so without further ado i'd like to welcome to the mic a talented fine artist an amazing graphic scribe with a passion for all things digital, a recognized expert in the global community of visual practitioners, a well-known graphics facilitator who in the last seven years scribed sessions across Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, New York, Houston, Delhi, Barcelona, and London, and also the nicest and the most positive and sparkly person you could possibly ever meet, Kate Baxter. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. What an introduction. <laughs> you, you deserve it all and more and I'd like to call you the goddess of the pan because your unbelievable <laughs> images of your works that I see on LinkedIn they're really mind-blowing and I'd like to start from the start I suppose you and when you were a child were you dreaming of becoming a visual practitioner? <laughs> <laughs> I was always going to be an artist I feel like I made through the A's, I wanted to be an actress, then I wanted to be an archaeologist, then I wanted to be an architect, then I wanted to be an artist, and it kind of didn't go anywhere from there. <laughs> and now when, you know, you get into conversations with people and they ask what your dream job is, I feel so lucky that I kind of am living my dream in in a way. And yeah, I feel lucky to have found a career that enables me to draw every day. And this was sort of started as just a way to pay my bills, but it's become its own passion. Yeah, I feel very lucky. Mm, mm, I know, because not many of us actually get to live our dream and many of us dream about living the dream, but we are sometimes stuck in these jobs that we don't want to be at. So it requires a single lot of courage. And I suppose my question to you is, was it a conscious decision for you to follow that path or were you vaguely thinking of trying to combine your passion with your work and you fell into it? Or were you actually working hard at creating this career path for you? You know, that's actually a really interesting question because I was actually a very reluctant scribe when I started. I didn't feel comfortable. I wasn't that interested. I've been living in Australia just under a year and I met someone at a party who said, oh, I'm Kate, I'm an artist. And I'd been full-time as an artist for quite a while and just doing freelance graphic design work, kind of get by. She worked at PwC in The Difference um, and she invited me there to meet the team because they were looking for artists 
to do some contract work with. And that's kind of how it started. So I was employed to always describe. They brought me into their network of knowledge workers that they use on different events mm-hmm. as a scribe, but never seen scribing before. I had no idea what it was. And my first event, I worked with Jessmy G. And I remember being completely awesome by whatever it was that she was doing, the magic on the whiteboard. And actually I did describe on that event, just on the back of a board, probably still one of the best scribes I've ever done because I didn't know anything. I was so excited and so blinded by this wonder of Jessme that I just listened and did it. And then it took me a long, long time to get back to that point because I talked myself out of it. And I used to scribe using only words. And it's been little by little by little that I've kind of found my way to where I am. So it's definitely been, and I don't think of myself particularly courageous. But now as I look back, there were definite moments of bravery because I really just didn't believe I could mm-hmm. do. I suppose the first time when you scribed with Jessamine, you were probably like a child, unrestrained in, in your creativity oh. and no boundaries about what you can or possibly cannot do. And then yeah. adult's brain kicks in and tells us, oh, you can't do that. And everybody's looking. And was it a bit like that? Totally. And I think because the work I was making in my personal practice at that time were really intricate, as photorealistic as I could humanly get, hyper detailed pieces. So then to stand at a whiteboard with a clunky whiteboard pen, foreign surface, to have to draw without all of those years of art training to kind of be able to just draw an apple. There was so much narrative in my head around where is the light coming from? What kind of apple is it? What's the (laughs) There were all these questions in my mind. I have to kind of retrain it. And it took me a long time. I would say, looking back at my work, it took me a solid two years to really kind of find my groove with it and kind of just surrender to the practice of scribing and, and that kind of real liberation that does come with not having to think in the same way as I would when I my own work. And I was really lucky to just work with very encouraging people who would create space for me to or and play and try. It's like with driving, you first have to think through every step before you get to a space where you can enjoy taking yourself for a drive, you know, enjoying the yeah. landscape and the view. And my question to you is then, what helped you get to that space when you were learning in those two years to become yeah. comfortable scribing, even though your background was in art, what sort of yeah. resources and books you found helpful and valuable? Interesting. There wasn't as much stuff around then as there is now. There was Randy Agaback's book, Graphic Facility, but that felt very different type of scribing that I was doing at that time, which was very much kind of just documenting her book is much more around the actualization of work and using graphics to help facilitate the work of a team. And I wasn't facilitating at that point. Actually, the thing that was difficult was 
network, the knowledge working network that I was a part of at that time, Jessamy mm-hmm. was moving out of it and she was just doing more private work. And so the scribe around me were all incredible, incredible practitioners, but they had a very different cartoon-based style Mm -hmm. and even their lettering was a very specific font and actually I think that was one things that it take me quite so long to find my feet in the practice was people were telling me to look to the and mimic their style I'm not a cartoonist it's never going to be my style they have this incredible uniform I mean, you can kind of look to those old school scribes. They all write in a very similar manner with chiseled pens and really even broke wits and things. And I just naturally cursive, my writing is cursive and I didn't have many resources. So I sort of was forced to just start doing it my own way. And actually it was, I was doing a lot of work with a team at ANZ they were so supportive and so encouraging because I was such a shy scribe <laughs> and I was so grateful to be getting any work with them and they were putting me on their events as scribes with no one that I could hide. Mm. I sort of with, had these different personas depending on who I worked with. I would sort of show different areas of expertise. Yeah, I kind of had this little training ground with this really small team of people who are still my best friends. And yeah, I was able to nurture that quietly. (laughs) As opposed to people who want to consider career in graphic scribing or want to use their art background to become a graphic scribe is to practice, practice, practice and jump in and do all the events. And how do you then develop your style? Do you listen to your intuition? Do you trust yourself to follow the path that's comfortable for you? What's your advice on that? Yeah, and I think what's really beautiful now is there is a whole wave of scribes who are establishing themselves with their own style. You can see where they've picked flavors up from other scribes that they've seen before them, but then they're adding their own little twist and they're combining it with something they saw somewhere else. It's really beautiful to see the kind of streams of influence, but I would definitely say don't try and mimic to the point where your own becomes diluted by that. Mm-hmm. For me, for example, my my differentiator was always my handwriting because I was never going to do that real old school scribe typography. And so I just started writing everything in lowercase. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still legible. I could do it really neatly and fast. In my kind of thing for a while and then before I was even drawing scribes I was doing content scribes sort of arrange all the typography in these like sweeping swirls of language I look back at them they're quite beautiful to look at you wouldn't have been able to do that with another style text when you're scribing there isn't that much chance panic Mm-hmm. You fail, you, you fail publicly, do. you succeed, you succeed publicly. Yeah, totally. And I think also kind of moving into digital mediums really helped me establish my style. I think that was probably the thing that really locked things in for me. It's my next question, because once again, you have to transition. Once you got used to this pen in your hand, yeah. whiteboard, then you have to transition to a tablet and a screen. And I'd like to know what that was like and perhaps what propelled you there and what were the challenges and what helped you transition? 
for me was such a surprise because like I said, my own personal art practice was at the time very traditional. I went to quite traditional art schools where the focus was always on the hand skill and technology was always something I kind of shied away from. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I remember getting a brief at university where we had to design a typeface and I ended up sculpting it out of blocks of concrete because I just did not want to go on the computer. (laughs) But I really was quite resistant to technology. And a few years ago, digital was just coming zine. Mm-hmm. People were doing digital scribing, but with their laptops and a graphics tablet plugged in. Um, I had a graphics tablet, but I never even tried it, to be honest. It just was a bit of a faff and I didn't like all the cables. Mm-hmm. And I'd become so trained to being stood up at a wall when I was scribing. So even if I was scribing on paper, you know, I'd be stood up, you know, it's such a position to get into. And I was given an opportunity to go to London and scribe at a really large conference with an incredible team. The guy who is in the event is this magical guy who just had so much for me. He has given me so many opportunities. Lawrence Stone um, from the PWC team was like, oh, we're going to digital scribe this. And we'd been working at the Tate Modern for a couple of days, prepping everything. I just went, sure, of course. And I put my hand up to go out to get paper that night. And I went to Covent Garden <laughs> and bought an iPad from the store at like 9.45 p.m. <laughs> and, uh, I had a tiny iPad, but this was this big iPad. And there was this weird pencil that came with it. And I remember getting back to my hotel room and just being like, wow. I can only do what I can do. And Were I you shaking to- in your boots? I was so <laughs> I didn't want to embarrass myself. And I was really lucky because one of my dearest friends and one of the people that I just creatively collaborate with best, partner in crime, Glenn Stevenson was also there and he was also going to digital scribe and he had an iPad, but he'd never done it either. So we were sort of in it together. And I sort of played around with it and I chose a brush and I set up some colors and we were just thrown totally in the deep end. Mm -hmm. And that first scribe, I remember it was the opening of the conference and it opened with this like drumming exercise. So we had like this strange (laughs) 20 minutes where they were just learning to drum. (laughs) And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, what a ganger. And I loved so much that I could zoom in and get really, really, really detailed. Mm -hmm. And I loved that I could move things around. Within five minutes, I was copy and pasting different hands to show different hands on different drums. And I was like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. this is so cool. And I was so thrilled. I was so you became dimensional yeah. for you, I suppose. It's no, it was no yeah. longer 2D. Yeah, totally. Actually, back to that, you know, different surface, you know, sort of a more traditional surface in that you're sat at a desk again, drawing like you would in a sketchbook, felt really natural to me. Like the surface of the iPad being glassy never bothered me at all. I loved that I could it's so tight in my hands. Mm. And for me, it was the level of detail. I just loved 
how pedantic I could be. Let's put it that way. I think it allows you to bring your artistry and you as a fine artist into the scribing. I agree also. And I think my training as a graphic designer has really helped also just in terms of because the canvas is framed in a different way to it being a whiteboard. I feel like I think about composition a lot more when I start, when I start on a whiteboard, it, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't have the same control as I do with an iPad. Being a explore a full color palette and the touch of a button is so exhilarating to me. I'm a bit of a color obsessive. I mm-hmm. love color and working with subtle tones. So for me, the digital medium of scribing is just a delight. And I was really lucky that I kind of threw myself into it or was thrown into it, but then loved swimming in that digital pool. Um, (laughs) Sort of one of the people in Australia that really got a hands on it quickest, I think. So there was a moment and I just sort of was in it and I've never looked back. I really love it. Yeah, I'm I'm such a coolest gigs that you've done and in your career I mean you know I was rattling off the cities where you scribe it sounds so exciting or oh, what were perhaps your most favorite gigs so far wow that's a good question <laughs> it's funny because up until a few years ago I was really just doing knowledge work scribing so scribing on events that were sort of big strategic or complex problem-solving sessions run by consultants. It's only really been the last three years solidly where I've been doing private scribe work, which I do really love because it's a different pace. I can kind of nest away somewhere and just be in the scribing for a couple of days and that's such a delight. But really my favorite events are always about the people I'm working with. Mm. My first event that I worked with an American team, so I'd met the facilitators in Perth. I did a six-week run of work in Perth and they were facilitators that were brought over and I just fell head over heels with them. Mm-hmm. And then running an international event in Barcelona invited a part of their team, which was so beautiful because it also meant I could go home and see my family afterwards. Um, and I was nervous because a practice in Australia had been built so much on the people that I'd been working with. They were all, they'd become my family in Australia, all my best friends. So to go into an event on a I didn't know anyone felt very intimidating because there was so much about how well you fit makes or breaks an event as to the kind of synergy within the team. And I just, wow, the most magical people. I'm still friends with a lot of them and have got on to work with them a couple of other times in America, in New York, in Houston. And so Barcelona is definitely a magic one because also I think whoever I wanted to be, I think baggage of what people thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool to share and learn and see how they were working. And they do this beautiful thing on events where they, whenever they have an opportunity, get as many people on their team up at the front scribing, which is so unusual. I've never seen it anywhere else. So you mm. might have scribes all scribing the same session all at the front. Wow. And I mean, as a scribe, that is so wonderful because there is no better learning than looking at somebody else's interpretation of the same conversation. That's right. And um, the thing that you kind of become aware of your unconscious biases and even the 
being conscious to listen with outside ears, as they say. Yeah, to just see how different people are representing the same thing was such a learning. And that was so magical to me. All about perception, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And I think the other ones that stand out are always just the causes that really appreciate your work. It can be challenging. Some people see the scribing as a little bit of a gimmick Mm. or fun. And when you're working with really serious content or really difficult subject matters, that can be a really hard to be in where people don't initially see the value of your work. So I think anywhere where people understand from the get-go the value that you're bringing to the room, those are always beautiful. I mean, that's at the heart of it, really. You want to create work that people want to use and that become tools for them going forward. So, yeah, um, that's right. And I wanted to ask you, actually, you touched on there about the challenges of being a scribe. You know, it's not all fun and games, even though it looks like you're just getting paid to stand in front of the board and draw, which is your favorite thing. What are the most difficult part of the job and perhaps they have been personally for you yeah sometimes not always feeling valued in the room that's definitely difficult for me because I just think like feeling fighting for a space Mm -hmm. can be really hard especially when your role is actually very you're not using your voice and sometimes you don't get the opportunity to especially if it's digital you can be quite hidden in a room and no one actually see your work. And so there can be such a disconnect. That's always really challenging. And I think a couple of years I've worked at consulting firms full-time and the biggest challenge is just really trying to be seen and be respected for the knowledge that I'm bringing into the room and the experience as a practitioner because People think they're just doodles sometimes. That's definitely very challenging. And also I think working with content that is particularly sensitive, Mm. um, either to yourself or to um, the person that's speaking, that's always challenging, that kind of finding that line of what do I capture, what do I not capture. That can be quite challenging because to honor that person's story, but also when you take out someone's tone of voice and intonation and beautiful language things and it becomes written and written in, in you know very short format you can't get word for word mm-hmm. you have to be so careful at what that looks like in the hands of someone that wasn't in that session mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um is something I'm very mindful of That comes up a lot, actually. I've interviewed a few people for Visual Friends and that um, question about what do I capture that I think beginner scribes struggle with always comes up. There is so much information at a scribe and I think you have to have a particular type of brain and perhaps the strategy to decide what to put on the board, on the screen. What helps you do successful scribes in that sense? Yeah, I definitely agree. And the place where I really learned to hone that and just trust my own instinct mm-hmm. was with Kelvin Bird ran an incredible, she runs incredible drawing workshops. She calls it generative scribing. You're not just capturing every single thing, but you're capturing the essence and you're capturing the emotion and you're listening with empathy. Mm-hmm. I found that very helpful, finding that 
and in yourself to just trust your instinct. That'd be a different way of learning and um, listening. Actually, maybe two weeks ago, I was scribing a session where it was a panel conversation. All people who had been severely injured in workplace accidents, you know, their lives had been completely changed um, through disability. And there was also a mother who was talking and she'd lost in this horrendous accident. And they actually footage of the accident for mm. the panel conversation. The mood in the room was so tangible and I was on these gigantic screens either side of the room and I was conscious even of the color that I was using as my background that before I put any words up Mm. what did that color say and it's definitely a different way of listening and that you're not trying to get all the details you're trying to get the pieces of the story that convey that so for example I wasn't capturing the details of the accident this happened and that happened and then you know I lost my legs it was the parts of the story that get through support from family friends lots of hospital therapy trust and progress and and all those other beautiful more hopeful things where then you're left with a piece of work that isn't a tragedy it's a that really conveys, you know, the the real theme of those conversations were about hope and 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 were really beautiful things. But if you'd added in all of the difficult things, it would have become a muddier piece of work mm. afterwards. How much of that I was thinking of in the moment, I don't know. <laughs> it's a training thing and and a trust thing where I do a lot more listening and then I will write things down and it's a bit of a slower process. I actually enjoy it a lot more. The real be able to capture a conversation like that, but yeah, your role as a scribe is slightly different and I really enjoy being in that. I want to say quiet, just mm-hmm. weird because don't ever say a word as a scribe really mm-hmm. but it's uh, yeah a bit of a different space it's a really lovely place to be sometimes it's that it's something awful like once I was scribing a mother who was talking about her it was about hospital care mm-hmm. and she was telling a very funny story and it ended up with this guy having gangrene testicles but it also was just I couldn't write that on my scribe (laughs) 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 yeah it goes both ways it can be whatever interesting and I suppose you're answering my next question about what makes a successful scribe and by the sound of it and you tell me if I understand it correctly what makes a successful graphic scribe is what makes a good and successful human. It sounds like you have to be empathic. You have to be a great listener. You know, you have to have the skill. Am I missing something? Yeah, I think that's so lovely. And actually, I mean, all of the scribes that I've had the pleasure of working with, it's such a beautiful community of amazing people. I think there is a real sense that goes with it. Oh, I know for me personally, anyway, kind of really finding my own confidence was just a total game changer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd say someone who is courageous and that is comfortable to put themselves out there to fail, you definitely have that. I fail nearly every scribe where I'll try and draw something and that will not work always. And 
being really comfortable to just always be trying something new is really important. And yeah, <laughs> to just embrace, embrace your own creative spirit and all of the quirks that come with that, I think helps find your style and then you're off. Sounds yeah. exactly like being a good human. Everything you're saying, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I won't hold you much longer, Kate. I want to talk about your future. You're now, you know, you're going back to freelancing, you're working in your studio, you know, you can do whatever you want. What would you like to do? What do you see your future like? So yeah, I'm fresh back out on the freelance scene. I just did, had almost a year at PwC's residence and then was part of this beautiful team called The Articulators at KPMG with these two other artists who are Sydney-based, Stephen and Phil, who are incredible, incredible, incredible practitioners. This is maybe my most courageous move so far mm. because I, I was not able to balance the scribing with my own personal art practice while working at those companies. So yeah, I've jumped back into the freelance world, which definitely feels a bit scary. Also just feels so good and right where I'm supposed to be. Mm. Uh, so I guess I'm enjoying being back in the network properly. My ultimate goal, I think maybe it's something I will always strive for is to have balance where I'm thriving and continuing this practice, but alongside my own art practice. So I've really neglected it in the last few years where I've just really focused on, I guess kind of scribing has been a bit like my baby. It's been mm. a bit like focusing everything on that and, and making a living and, and, you know, really having earning power I've never had before, you know, previously when I was working as an artist and just doing little bits of freelance work to pay for my studio, I really did not have financial stability at all be able to find work that is sustainable is so such a gift very lucky but now it's the time to pull it back into a balance with my practice which I'm kind of exploring I've been for the last two years dipping my toes into tapestry oh um, wow very different medium to drawing drawing is always thing like big hyper-realistic drawing yeah it's really shifted and it in a, in a way, it doesn't feel that foreign. The tapestry feels quite like drawing, actually, in terms of the sort of repetitive motion. It kind of reminds me of shading. And mm, uh, yeah, there's something so meticulous about working with that medium that feels, you know, maybe it has control that scribing does not have maybe that's why it feels like such a good balance to scribing <laughs> and I'm also kind of making work that's sort of invisible that's very subtly tonal so different tones of white for example. so you can't photograph the work really very well and it's quite secretive so it, actually it's kind of the opposite of scribing Interesting. yeah <laughs> But you will still continue to scribe, I believe. And have you got your hand in the Graphing Recorders Australia non-for-profit professional yeah. membership organization that's going to be launched at WISCONF uh, yeah. on the 19th of October? Tell us a little bit about that. Wow. Yeah. That's a very good segue. Yeah. So a group of scribes, the conversation has been happening for a number of years, that we needed some kind of body in whatever form that took where 
we could come together, have sort of shared guidelines, let's say, in terms of the way that we wanted to work, but also the way that we wanted to be recognized. And it was to cover us for things like people who weren't paying or knowing what to do in certain situations. And they're kind of a need for this sort of source of truth for us all being out there as individual practitioners and also wanting to share work amongst each other but not wanting to under each other. So mm. the conversation's been happening for a number of years and sort of a group of people who keep floating in and out of that conversation kept having it. Um, Jessamy in particular and Ray Ekman and there's a small group of us that have got together and have kind of made it a reality. Sarah Firth, Sarah Zainal and Alice D mm-hmm. um, and Matt from Scare Group. So it's a really nice group who've kind of pushed it forward. People have put in a lot of work and yeah, that's going to be a, that A, accredits us. People can choose to be an associate member professional it's a way of accrediting us as practitioners, which is really a game changer as more and more people join the scribes. And also a space to share portfolio, share tips and tricks, different classes and opportunities to learn. Yeah, really be a, a central source of truth for some of those resources and questions that you don't find out about until you've been doing it a long time. So to make those readily available and yeah, a real community of practice and a community of care. And I'm really excited that it's going to be up and running soon. Yeah. It sounds like it's something you really needed when you were beginning your career. So yeah. congratulations. It's- it sounds really important and exciting. And we wish you the best of luck. Graphic Recorders Australia um, will have a booth at WISCOM. So you can ask questions, you can talk to them and you can get some support. So Kate, we thank you today for this very interesting interview. I definitely learned a lot myself and we wish you all the best of luck, which I don't think you'll need because you are so fantastic. We'll put some links to your work in the notes and we'll share some images of your work, which I really find mind-blowing. Thank you very much for all the insights and we'll see you at WISCOMP. Thank you, Natalia. Thank you. So there you have it, guys. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kate and I hope you did too. And if you did find this episode useful or valuable, please share it with your friends, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, give us a rating or leave us a comment. And also do let us know if you'd like to hear an interview with someone on the podcast or you're interested in a particular topic. But for now, thank you for listening and see you next time. Thank you.